What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hey, you guys, I want to welcome Enneagram coach Gabrielle Westbrook to the Next Level Confident podcast. How are you today, Gabrielle? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on. I'm so thinking grateful to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to have you on. And I'm really excited to talk about the Enneagram because everyone knows this is one of my absolute favorite topics. Oh, I love it. I could talk about it 10 years straight, never get bored of it. It's, it's just, so life-giving. So yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So anyone who is currently listening, if you want to check out Gabrielle on Instagram, her Instagram is at Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E Westbrook, W-E-S-T-B-R-O-O-K without the E on the end. Instead, there's an underscore. Okay. Linked below. You can go check that out. So what Gabrielle does is she helps women who feel purposeless connect to their voice and find their identity through honesty and self-discovery. So Gabrielle, tell us a tiny bit about your business. Yeah. So I am an Enneagram coach. I do life coaching for women, just all centered around the Enneagram. Um, just really helping women identify their type, and then just do the inner work to become healthier versions of them and just really understand themselves, self-awareness, so that it can like flourish into all the other parts of their life. I love that. Yes. Self-awareness is key. And what's cool about self-awareness is I feel like it's a constant thing that can, you can grow in, like no matter who you are, whether you are brand new to personal development, or if you've been doing it for years and years and years and years, like literally everyone can always improve on self-awareness because there's always new things to learn. hundred percent. And just like fitness, I just, I believe that self-awareness is a lifestyle. It's that inner journey, that growth journey is hundred percent a lifestyle. It doesn't ever end and not to be dooming, but it's, it's exciting. It's encouraging to evolve and step into your potential. I love that. Yeah. It's just like fitness. You don't just like stop working out. Once you get like the body of your dreams, you right. keep going like your body. If you just stop, you'll, you know, you won't look so good. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that sounded mean. That sounded really mean. No, <laughs> you'll look fine people. It's fine. It's not about the looks. It's about the heart. That's why we're here. <laughs> okay. So for people who have never heard of the Enneagram, how would you explain this personality quiz? And then how does it differ from like DISC or Myers-Briggs? Yeah. So the modern Enneagram we all see and know today is called the Enneagram of Personality. Um, It's a character structure tool for typing people based on nine common human archetypes, if you will. Um, So like basic level, Enneagram is a Greek word. Ennea means nine, gram means drawing. And it's a really great resource for growth, transformation, um, to help us individually, spiritually, and in our relationships. So think about it as an internal GPS, if you will. The key 
to the map of our soul. Um, it exposes lies we tell ourselves. So the personality that those are the lies we tell ourselves. And we begin to do the inner work of journeying back to our true essence, like who we were created to be. Um, so what I like saying is simply that the Enneagram shows us nine ways we were made in the image of God, nine ways we've strayed, and then nine paths of self-reflection to, so we can begin journeying back home to our true self. Um, and then, like you said, how does it differ? So I get that question a lot. You're like, I have done all these things. Why do I want to do another one? So personally, I don't like, this is, the Enneagram isn't just a personality test. It goes way beyond surface level of explaining outward caricature traits, and it really illuminates the deeper motivations within us, the why, which is so important, right? Like the why of how we think, the why of how we feel and behave. Um, and, you know, while I believe that the Enneagram is just a tool, just like all those other things are just tools. I just believe that this is the most in-depth tool that you will find out there because it unlocks these deeper parts of ourselves, um, our gifts, and also these really deep internal challenges that we face as humans. And it just unlocks deeper self-awareness, richer spiritual growth. Um, and so kind of a, a, a vision of how to explain this best. And this is from Chris Hewitt. He's a leading Enneagram expert. He explained this so well. Um, I heard him on a podcast once and he said, so think of a house, okay? And he said, think of, okay, Myers-Briggs, for example, another personality typology tool out there. So it views our temperament as humans. Um, so think of Myers-Briggs as a specific room that you stay in, in, a, in the house. Okay, and then for example, strength finders. He said, um, well, strength finders, it, you know, views our innate uh, strength to help us increase performance. And so he said, think about strength finders as how we decorate that room. And then he said, the Enneagram, he said, think of the Enneagram as the house that the room resides in and that the decorations reside in. And so it's really just unlocking those deep, uh, more core motivations within us. That's really interesting. I, I actually have heard of that before too. And I tried to quote it recently and I couldn't remember it, but so a Neagram is the house. So it's like the all encompassing and then mm -hmm. strength finders is the, did you say it's the room? Uh, Myers-Briggs is, Myers is the room and then strength finders is like, so it's kind of getting like more and more detailed. It's like breaking you down little by little basis, but the house is the Enneagram. So it's like the all encompassing one, whereas the other ones are a little bit more like maybe specific or something. Right. And it's like the foundation that the room could even be possible because it's in a house. Right. So it's like that foundational piece to, yeah, just deeper understanding of how we can use those strengths well, how we can use our Myers-Briggs well and effectively. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think all, all of them are awesome. Like I know my Myers-Briggs, yeah. I know my strength finders, I know my Enneagram, and I think all of them help me understand myself in different ways. Um, totally. And I think what you said earlier about Enneagram being like knowing your key motivations, I think that that feels very true for me. Like strength finders is cool. Cause I'm like, Oh, these are my top five strengths. And then uh, Myers-Briggs like helps me understand myself, maybe even like slightly more like a work setting or something like that. And then the motivation behind why I'm doing what I'm doing is very much Enneagram. So yes. if someone is listening right now and they've never taken the Enneagram test, what do you think is the number one reason they should take it? Yeah. So this is such an interesting 
question. And so I think, I think we've even talked about this, Chanel, but like, you know, research shows out there that 95% of our brain activity, um, you know, it's beyond conscious awareness. So a lot of the time, we are only 5% cognitive of our activities. So the way we make decisions, our emotions, you know, our actions and our behavior. And so all of that is done mainly on a subconscious level. And so, you know, for any listeners out there and just evaluating your own life. So do you ever find yourself in these repeated situations where you can continue to get hurt in friendships, or you continue to have these like toxic relationships in your life, or you continue to have the same argument over and over and over again, or reacting out of anger constantly, and you know, whatever it looks like for you. Um, and you, and you stop and you say, why does this keep happening? Like, what is going on? And I just believe the Enneagram helps us like wake up to our deeper core motivations. Like we're going to talk a lot about that today, core motivations about what's going on, like underneath the current, underneath the surface that allows us to live more consciously. So it's a great illuminating tool. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, what is your Enneagram type? And then like, I guess explain kind of like what you're saying, like it, it brings a lot of awareness. So after you took the quiz or figured out what your type was, how did it help you or like what changed in your life after that? Yeah. So it's a big one for me because I'm an Enneagram nine. And so kind of like I mentioned earlier, uh, it's like nine common human archetypes. So my archetype, what I kind of represent of human society, human nature is falling asleep to our lives. And so for me, when I discovered I was a nine, which it took me like seven months to understand what my type even was, because um, nines are very good at seeing and understanding everyone else's point of view, but their own. And so you feel like as a nine, I felt like I was like, well, I could be that. And I could be that. And I could be that. (laughs) And then what I, as I, you know, worked with a coach and as I listened to podcasts and read books and I understood and I under that that that's very common for nines to feel that way. So for me, it just really allowed me to understand what was going on internally and wake up to my life and start to do the growth work and realizing that when I start to do that work and step into my authenticity and my true essence, that's when the magic happens for me. That's when my life can, you know, I can be conscious and alive and live alive. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty transformational for me. I love that. So you're saying that like prior to taking it, you, you just, do you feel like you just were being more of like who other people wanted you to be because you were so often like almost being like a chameleon where you were just color changing for everyone or something like that? Or like, I guess I'm trying to understand who you were before and then how this really like actually changed it. Yeah. So the best way I can put it is I feel like I was sleepwalking. Like I was just on autopilot, just doing the right thing, doing what I should do. Um, You know, also just being so afraid to share my thoughts and my opinions and my beliefs and using my voice and, you know, and we'll get into this if we do like a little overview of each type, but just 
you know, a, each type has like a childhood wounding message, if you will. And something, it helped me uncover that a big belief of mine was that I really be believed that my voice and my presence didn't matter. And so I, I was really always kind of falling asleep to myself, falling asleep to my own identity and just merging with others because it was easier because I could avoid conflict. I could avoid tension. And so I just became this like blob who didn't have a shape or an identity. And that, I think that's why it was so transformational for me because I was like, I, I like God created me and put me here on this earth and I have importance and I have a voice and he wants, it, it's important for me to use that. And so that's, does that make sense how that kind of transformed? I don't know if I'm explaining that well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that does. I like how you're like, I was a blob. Like you were, <laughs> you were, yeah, I mean, you were just shape shifting and you were just doing what everyone else wanted you to do to um, not have any conflict, you know? And yeah. I, I think actually like now would probably be the perfect time. Let's go through each of the nine yeah. numbers. And I think that what you just said would be so interesting for everyone to hear of like, what is the childhood wound that yeah. Are you saying, so it's basically like the childhood wound, is that kind of what creates you to be your number? So, I mean, there's definitely a big debate on that. It's nature versus nurture. Are you born your type? Does your surrounding create your type? Um, I believe that you are born your type. And I believe that the things that we perceive just kind of confirm it back to us. So, yeah, again, yeah, you know, people do their own research and believe in whatever they want to believe but right and maybe um, it's like a combo of both of them also like I always right. like I remember in psychology learning a lot about like we always are like nature versus nurture nature versus nurture and like realizing that it's nature via nurture and that like you can be totally like born away but then also your surroundings can also shape it and they go hand in hand and that's okay 100 percent. and I think that's why I struggled for a really long time in finding my type because I was stuck between am I a nine or am I a one because because of my um, nurture, I was a gymnast growing up, competitive gymnast, just uh, homeschooled on the elite track, just very disciplined and which is very, you know, perfectionistic and a lot of one tendencies. And so I was struggling with like, what? And that's why the core motivations are so important because, um, you know, and as we go through this, I would just encourage anyone listening that if I say something that kind of sparks something in you, or you feel a little resistance or you feel a little like, Ooh, how, how'd she know that about me? Explore that more because that's usually an indication of like, if this could be your type or not. And you're the only one that can identify that because, you know, so you might be like, Janelle, you're an eight and I'm a nine and we could act similarly on the outside and what people see in us, but in inwardly, we could be doing it for very different motivations. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so important to understand that. I love it. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk about the nine different types. Everyone listen up. <laughs> okay, so this is, again, just very brief overview, um, you know, and that's why exploring it for yourself, um, and we can talk about that, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end, is so important. So, again, we're going to talk about the core motivations with each type, um, and we're going to talk about that because I would be doing you a disservice to just talk about some like oh twos are this and this at their best and it's like okay that's not really explaining like is this my type and why because I'm a nine and I could be that way too so that's why I'm talking about the core motivations um okay so let's start with type one okay so 
Another thing is that you probably see on Instagram or out there like these names, right? Like the perfectionist, the helper. And while that is great to understand as you're learning as like a memory hook kind of thing, I think sometimes we can get hung up on those names and people kind of stop there and they say, well, I'm the challenger. That's just who I am. And it's like, okay, let's break it down and like, let's see the need. And so Chris Hewitt, I, I love his work. Um, and so he learned each Enneagram type based on this like intrinsic need that they have. So that's how I'm going to explain it real quick on each Cool. Thing. Cool. Okay. So type ones have the need to be perfect. So their core fear is being wrong or being bad. Um, their core desire is to have integrity, to be good, to be accurate. Their core weakness or the passion um, is they want to repress their anger because they don't want to seem bad. Um, they struggle a lot with resentment and continual frustration. Um, their childhood message, somewhere in their life, they picked up the message that it's not okay to make mistakes. And so because of that, their heart has this core longing, this message that they've always wanted to hear. And that message is, um, you are good. That's what they just like desire to hear so much to fulfill that part of them. Um, Hold on, I'm going to say something really quick about the one. I watched the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix last night. It's really yeah. good. If anyone hasn't watched it, watch it. It's so inspiring. Um, I did try to research this. I haven't found it yet, but I think Taylor Swift is a one because um, she like kept talking about over and over and over in the documentary. She's like, I just always wanted to be good. I wanted to be good. And like, I wanted to make everyone else happy. And when everyone else was happy, that's how I felt happy. And I don't know, it was very interesting. So Tuck that away, people. Let's. That is maybe, interesting. I'll send this to you, Taylor, and you let me know if you're a one or not, okay? <laughs> Taylor Swift, please respond. Please respond. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. It's so, in yeah, and once you know these things about people, um, you can really start to, like, have empathy for them and, like, compassion for them, you know? Yes, you, like, understand why they, like, struggle with the things they struggle with or they have the challenges they do, and you empathize for yourself more, too, because you're, like, oh, now I get why this is my challenge or why this is my struggle. And it just brings like a whole new level of self-awareness of what's actually going on in your brain. And it's just yeah. so cool. So, okay, number two. Okay, type twos, you have the need to be needed. So your core fear is being rejected or unworthy of love. Your core desire is to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. Um, your core weakness is pride. So how that plays out in you is that you it's almost like a pride that you deny that you even have needs. Um, so it's, uh, or, or emotions even too, because you always just want to be there for others because that makes you feel like, oh, I have worth now. Um, so your childhood message, um, somewhere in your life you heard that it's not okay to have your own needs. And because of that, the core longing that your heart wants to hear is that you are wanted and loved. Not because of what you do for others, but just simply because of who you are. So it's really, I have a lot of two friends and I have and a lot of two very, friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, and twos and nines are very similar. It's a big mistyping, um, uh, pairing. So it's hmm. pretty interesting. That is interesting. All right. Type threes and Janelle and I both have husbands that are type threes. <laughs> Come on. Threes. So, Let's go. <laughs> so threes have the need to succeed. Um, your core fear is being exposed or thought of as incompetent or unsuccessful. Your core desire is to be admired. 
successful and valuable for who you are, um, your core weakness is deceit. So they end up almost deceiving themselves into believing that they are the image that they present to others. Um, so threes are very, very chameleon-like. They're very like, oh, I'm in this group, I'm this person. I'm in this group, I'm this person, because they just want to seem admirable and competent. Um, the childhood wounding message is that, that they picked up in their life is that it's not okay to have your own feelings or your own identity. And then the core longing, the message your heart wants to hear is that you are loved for simply being you, despite performance, just because you're innately you. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what's um, so interesting? It's interesting that you're a nine and then your husband is a three because I've met so many women and men who like have that pairing. Like um, my friends, Claire and Steven that I met at the Rice Business Conference, she's a three, he's a nine. Um, My, I'm like thinking of, I I can literally name off like probably four other couples off the top of my head that literally are all threes and nines. Um, Rachel Hollis and Dave Hollis. I did say Rachel and Dave Hollis. Yeah, he's a nine. So it's interesting how those like pair together. And then what I was going to say is like, I'm an eight and we'll get to that. But the eight um, and the three, I think can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you know way more than I do, but I feel like they could probably be mistyped a little bit because we're both like very <laughs> high energy and very alpha and very dominating and all this stuff, but our core motivation is very different. So like Frankie and I are both extremely driven individuals. We're both like go-getters with all this energy and zest every day, but like Frankie does a lot more people pleasing. Whereas I am like, screw other people's opinions. I don't care what anyone <laughs> thinks about me. Like, and so yeah. <laughs> like, it's like my, my core motivation is to like not be controlled. So I end up controlling other people. Whereas yeah. Frankie does like kind of the opposite. So it's, it's really interesting because we're so alike in so many ways. But then when you look at our, like some of the deeper level things, we're so different. It's really interesting. hundred percent, hundred percent. You nailed it on the head with that. And I mean, eights and threes together are like dynamite, like power couple, like no one can stop you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We also can be like oil and vinegar sometimes because like, like when Frankie and I first started dating, he literally told me like he wasn't, he was like, this is probably like a couple weeks or months in, but he said, I don't, I didn't know. I was kind of worried if like you and I would actually work out because you're like so alpha and I'm so alpha. And I kind of didn't think I would ever be with someone who is as alpha as I am. So I feel like, I don't know. I haven't, to be honest, met too many threes and eights together, mostly because like they're both such like huge personalities that it's a little bit like they can sometimes, I think, both try to take over too much and then they get annoyed because they both want to shine you know yeah (laughs) yeah but good for good for him like that's a sign of growth that you know he was telling himself one story but then you came into his life and you know wondering like is this gonna work and that's like a sign of growth for a three is like like doing that inner work to not have to be the you know the person of the party and the the person in the spotlight and to kind of share that like that's a really big growth step for a three so yeah good job Frankie we're really proud of you oh I love Um, it and if we can if we get into it later about the growth and stress path that will answer your oh threes and nines seem to be in relationship a lot and it'll explain it when we talk about 56% of college students are women and 48% of employees in the workplace are women, which is awesome. 
Ladies, this is proof that we are smart and working hard. But you know what's not so awesome? Only 29% of VPs and just 22% of C-suite executives are women. In male-dominated industries such as STEM, these numbers are even more startling. As these numbers state, women aren't lacking the knowledge, education, or ability to be leaders in the workplace. What many women are lacking is the confidence to take on risk. Most of us have heard this one before. Men will apply for jobs they are 60% qualified for, yet women will only apply for jobs they are 100% qualified for. This type of stat also applies to women at their job, not willing to take on that new, unknown project. What she's lacking is the belief that her skills and abilities are not only quote-unquote okay, but are powerful and needed in the workplace. The Confidence Workshop is created to help women dig deep into their mindset and get to the root of this problem. If this conversation gets you as fired up as it gets me, we are now taking applications for this workshop for the ladies of STEM corporations. Please head to our website at nextlevelconfident.com to learn more about the Confidence Workshop. Okay, cool. Okay. Number four. All right. So type four is you have the need to be special or unique. So your core fear is being flawed, insignificant, or emotionally cut off. I like to say that fours are like, they don't have feelings. They are feelings. Like they are just these like deep emotional uh, people, but at their best, they're so emotionally balanced in that. So it's, it's good when they are integrated into their type. Um, your core desire is to be unique and authentic. Your core weakness is envy. So there's this feeling in them that, that they're flawed or that something's missing from them. And so there's this constant comparison to other people. So they're always just kind of dealing with that inner envy. Um, the childhood message uh, that they picked up is that it's not okay to be too functional. It's not okay to be too happy. And so this core longing that they have is to hear the message and believe it that they are seen and loved for exactly who they are. Nothing is missing from them. Mm. So it's where is there the deep people? They're the yeah. friends that you want when you are going through a really hard time. They will make so much space for you. They're yes. Incredible. Okay. This Not is a random question and I just keep like interrupting you. A, because no, I, you're good. This is good. I have a lot of thoughts, and B, because I'm like, I don't want just like a long list where everyone's like, listy, listy, list. Um, is there a certain Enneagram type that is like more unique? Like, are there different? I don't know. I remember, I think with Myers Briggs, there was like a percentage, like this Myers Briggs is the most unique Myers Briggs, or like the smallest percentage of people are this one, or something like that. Is there a certain number that is like the least found, or something like that? Um, I don't think so. Not at least in the research that I've done. Um, on the opposite end of that, though, I have read that about 50% of the population are actually type sixes. So type sixes are the most common type, I guess, out oh. there. Um, but I guess to your question a little bit, fours um, are the most unique and in, in not how many people are a four or not a four, but just in like their innate design and their innate being like they are the most unique um but they feel like like they they don't feel like it so they're always trying to be unique so and they are the, mis the most misunderstood and each type kind of has something like that um 
but yeah, so I hope that answers that question. Yeah, totally. I don't know for sure that my brother's a four, but my older brother, I was talking about the Enneagram one time and he was like, oh, like that sounds dumb. Like not everyone could be put into a box like of nine different types and like all this stuff. And he was like, you know, I, I probably wouldn't even be any of those nine types and all this stuff. And I, I was like, huh. And in my mind, I'm like, he's probably a four. And then he stops and he's like, <laughs> wait, there's probably a type for this, isn't there? And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, is there like a type that thinks they're so special and so individualistic that they like couldn't even fit into like one of the nine types? And I was like, yes, there is. <laughs> He's like, I think I must be that type. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, that's, that's, I've heard that a lot about type fours and type fives actually. Like I couldn't be a type. There's no such thing. You know, I don't want to be put in a box and that's not true. Yeah, totally. That's I amazing. That I love it. <laughs> so speaking of type fives, um, type fives have the need to understand. So their core fear is being thought ignorant or being invaded like their like their boundaries um, or having obligations put on them that expends their energy. And I'll get into that in a second. So their core desire is being capable and competent. They want to know. They just want to understand everything and have the answers. Um, their core weakness is avarice, um, which is kind of like stinginess, but it's not like a materialistic stinginess. It's more of like they feel like they lack inner resources. So when I think of a type five, um, I relate it to this. So like you plug your phone in at night and it charges to 100%. A type five if you were to plug them in, they would only ever get to like a 50%, a 60%. Like they're, they have the least amount of energy reserves on the Enneagram. So because of that, they tend to withdraw because they don't want to be um, like, they don't want to have that lack. So um, their childhood message somewhere in their life, they heard that it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. And so that core longing that their heart desires is to hear that your needs are not a problem because they tend to minimize their needs because they don't want to go there with people. They don't want to do that interaction of fear of losing energy. So mm -hmm. that's why they can seem like that. Um, I think I read this one time. I'm pretty sure it was type five. So hopefully you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I heard like the people who have the most like patents out there and like the inventions are type five. So Oh, interesting. Because they're like, well, I have a great idea. I might as well patent it. So that, that way I don't actually have to like, maybe I could sell the idea and then I don't have to like actually use my own energy to create the idea. Well, and, but they, because they tend to withdraw, they're always constantly like learning and, and oh. tinkering and creating. So they're actually really creative and they're actually really like, um, yeah, competent enough to like create these things. Whoa. So yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I think yeah. that just goes to show like, no matter what number you are, the power of spending time alone and like using your brain to just think and relax because you do think of good ideas when you just unplug and chill. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And that's the other thing is I just wanted to, I don't think I said this earlier, but the numbers don't mean any like significant value, right? Like I'm a nine and Janelle's an eight. And so that doesn't make me like one notch better than her. It just, it just is a way to like, and there's like to just give it a title basically without right. there's not like a hierarchy so I just wanted to say that thank you for clarifying because I actually was worried that you thought you were better than me this whole time and it's been like <laughs> it's been really uncomfortable like I was just waiting for you to get to nine and be like they're the best and I'm the best <laughs> and I'm the best because I'm nine I'm the biggest number <laughs>
I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> okay, so type six. Um, you have the need to be secure. So your core fear is fear itself. You, um, you have this fear of being without guidance or being without support. And you have this fear of being blamed as well. So your core desire is to have security and support. Um, your core weakness is anxiety. So just always on the lookout, always looking on the horizon for threats. Um, so they just love like safety and security. Um, and type sixes think a lot in worst case scenarios as well. So your childhood message, um, you heard somewhere in your life that it's not okay to trust or depend on yourself. And your core longing is that you are safe and secure. That is the message your heart wants to hear. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just crazy that 50% around 50% of the population are type sixes. So very, that's really very interesting. There. I feel like I've yeah. never met a type six, but maybe that's like, I don't know. I feel like I just meet twos and threes, basically. No. I don't know. I feel like all my friends are like, well, I have like ones and twos and threes and fours and nines and sevens and eights, but I, I don't have like any fives or sixes hardly that I know. Interesting. I don't know. Well, and, and that could go back to the theory of like type fives don't want to be typed. So That's they're true. like, you know, they're like out there, but they're not like, they're not. They don't take the test. They don't even know. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. like sixes, maybe they like, do sixes like get mistyped very often for other things or something or? Yeah, sixes and nines get mistyped a lot. And that's part of what we'll get into about the stress and the growth lines. Like for example, I've lived a lot of my life as an unhealthy six um, because when I'm in disintegration or stress, I, I um, uh, embody the unhealthy characteristics or traits of a type six. So, mm. it, so Sixes and nines get mistyped a lot, yeah. Yeah, so for everyone listening, just in case you got a little lost, basically like each number has a, a growth number that they go to, so like a different number than their number, and then they have a stress number that they go to. So they become like when they're at their worst, they're kind of, they take on the, and you can correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but you take on the negative qualities of that one number, or when you're doing really well, you take on the positive qualities of a different number. But we'll talk more about that after we yeah, get through and I'll do types. I'll do an overview of that yeah okay. sweet okay type sevens so type sevens are the most fun friends so type sevens have the need to avoid pain so their core fear is being bored limited trapped in emotional pain or the phrase FOMO like that embodies a type seven they hate missing out um their core desire is to be satisfied and content and so because of that, their core weakness is gluttony. And it's because they, they just feel like it's never enough. Like nothing's at never enough. And so like they could be on vacation and they're already thinking about the next vacation or the next trip. And so they, they just want to fill themselves up with experiences um, for, the, for their need to avoid pain. Um, childhood message, somewhere in their life, they heard that it's not okay to depend on others for anything. And so the core longing that their heart wants to hear is that you will be taken care of. And so they're always looking for that thing to take care of them or to fulfill them or make them content. And it's just never enough. And so, um, yeah, but type sevens are like, I, I have a lot of type seven friends too. I'm, I'm like so drawn to type sevens. I'm like, let's just laugh and like have fun. <laughs> I feel like everyone is drawn to sevens. I feel like sevens are like yeah. 
the ones that have like a million friends often because they uh-huh. want to have the most fun. So they have so many different friends. So that way they can have fun with like any given friend at any given time. And yeah, I think like one thing I'll just say that's interesting about the Enneagram, even more so than some of the other personality tests is that it talks a lot about like some of these like negative things that kind of suck to hear more because mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, at least with like Myers-Briggs or just like you just kind of hear all the positives about your personality, which is great. But then yeah. you're often like, you don't really hear about some of these like crappier things to hear, but I think they're good yeah. to know because if you know them, you're like, oh, that's why I'm doing, that's why these bad things are happening in my life. Cause I just keep, I have this pattern of doing X, Y, or Z. And then you actually get to improve some of the like, you know, less desirable, less desirable parts of your life. Um, because you're aware of them and why you're, why you're doing them. Hundred percent, and you know, if anyone out there is interested or is familiar with like psychology, you might hear the term shadow self. And so, you know, talking about these deeper motivations, it's sometimes not the most pleasant, and it's sometimes really uncomfortable because it presses on that heartbeat of like something you don't want to do and you don't want in your life, and you don't want to be that person. But the beautiful thing about this is that the Enneagram is like your non-judgmental friend. Like the Enneagram is show, illuminating these things so that you can grow. And for us to evolve and really grow as humans, it's really important to understand that we are capable of all of these things. We are capable of the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. And so when you can accept those shadow aspects of yourself, they don't control you anymore. So then you can grow and then you can flourish and not be you know, yeah, just controlled by them. So mm, I, think I love that. Why yeah. yeah. Frankie and I have been listening to Brennan Burchard, who's like a really awesome business coach. And he was at Rachel Hollis's uh, conference. And so we got really hooked on him after that. And he talks about how sometimes people can use their, um, I don't think he talks about Enneagram, but he says like Myers-Briggs or DISC. You can use those as um, almost like a crush sometimes of like, like say you're the one i what was it? The five that always is reserving energy, right? Mm -hmm. So like, say you're a five, but you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to do like something that would take more energy. His Mm -hmm. big thing was like, just because you have a certain personality type doesn't mean that you like can't do certain things. Like you might have to, yeah, like you might have to work a little extra hard and same with like the six, if they love safety and security, is it going to be scarier for them to start their own business? without like the safety and security of a, of a career that pays them every two weeks? Probably. But does it mean yeah. that a six cannot have be an entrepreneur and start their own business? I don't think nope. so. And yeah. I think like we shouldn't use our type instead of using our type to be like, oh, that's just the way I am. So I'll just always be like that. So too bad, you know, like, yeah. sorry, not sorry kind of thing. It's instead being like, yeah, that is my shadow side. And I get to grow in that. And I can do, I still get to make the choice that I get to do whatever I want to do if I put my mind to it. hundred percent. And a lot of it is like when you're growing, like in your growth path, like for me, starting a business is like repentance for me. It's like actually using my voice and my presence. And it's so scary for me. It's so hard for me, but that's part of my growth. That's part of my integration. And so hundred percent, I love that you just mentioned that because you know, the Enneagram is never meant to be used as a sword or a shield or a blockade of, well, that's just how I am. And I don't, you know, I can't do that. Or, oh, you're being such a, an eight right now. Or, you know, oh my gosh, it's not meant to be used like that. It's only meant for growth, only meant for growth. So yeah. Love that. 
Yeah. All right, let's hear about the eight. Right. Here we go. This is my time, you guys. <laughs> I'll tell you all the bad things about yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, let's time eight. You have the need to be against, but it's not a bad thing. It's literally just how you see if people are trustworthy. If so, need to be against. So your core fear is being weak, see, being seen as weak, powerless, controlled, or vulnerable. Vulnerability is a huge growth piece for type eight. Um, core desire is to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. Their core weaknesses, um, is, or the core weakness is lust, um, but it's not like a sexual kind of lust, it's a lust for intensity. So constantly desiring control or power, or you know, kind of pushing your way through to get what you want. Um, the childhood message that you heard in your life is that it's not okay to trust or be vulnerable with anyone. And the core longing that your heart longs to hear is that you will not be betrayed. How's that ring true for you? So true. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like I've done a lot of Enneagram work, so none of that is yeah. new for me to hear. But the very first time I was reading about it, yeah, honestly, the first time I think that I actually, because I have the need to be against, my first thought was, none of this is true. This is so not me. I don't even know what this is talking about. Like, this is so dramatic or like, this is taking it to such a like whole new level. That's not even like me. And then the yeah. more I like list, like read it and like kind of gave in and like received it. I was like, Oh, mm. I kind of do do those things, I guess. Like as I become more <laughs> self-aware, like there's been times where Frankie and I will go out to meet some of his friends or something like that. I'm meeting them for the first time. Uh, maybe it's someone from out of town and say it's a couple. This is obviously just a hypothetical story. It did not <laughs> actually ever happen. Um, and basically like Frankie will be reuniting with his guy friend. The guy friend will have, you know, a girlfriend or a wife. And then I am immediately just like, I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about like, hi, my name's Janelle. How are you? Like, what do you do for your job? That sounds nice. Like yeah. I can't do that. And so yeah. I immediately just like grill into people and sometimes people like it, but a lot of times it makes you really uncomfortable. And I didn't yeah. actually know that. Like I thought I was doing them a big favor. I was like, hashtag you're welcome for giving you this like coaching session for free. Like I just grilled into your <laughs> deepest fears, your deepest longings. Like I just challenged the crap out of you for the last hour and like you're in tears. <laughs> so you're welcome. Like, <laughs> oh, I love it so much. That is so accurate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Frankie would like, I remember this one time that happened <laughs> and maybe a few different times and bring you like, you know, sometimes people don't want to like be grilled into and challenged on every area of their life. And like, you know, not everyone's trying to grow at every moment of their life. And I'm like, Oh, and I was like, actually really pissed off when he first told me, I was like, what are you talking about? Everyone loves it. And um, yeah. he was like, sometimes the intensity really scares people. Like, you know, it's not, not that he was trying to like get me to be less of me, but he was like, maybe just right. like get to know them a little bit more first, build a little more trust with them before you just start like grilling them with questions about every part of their heart and their mind and their motivations in life. And so it was good <laughs> for me to hear. Cause I like kind of never realized I, I've been told my whole life that I'm really intense. And I used to think mm -hmm. that was like a really negative thing. I, I, I struggled cause I'd be like, gosh, like I'm just too much, you know, I'm too mm -hmm. much. That was kind of like the story yeah. I always heard. I remember a guy friend of mine in college even telling me like, um, 
you know, Janelle, whoever decides to marry you, like he's going to have to be a very special person because you're oh. a lot. And that was a story so I always heard was that I was a lot. And I think it's because of all my intensity and like my passion and like, and so now I've realized I'm proud of it and I'm not like ashamed of it the way I, I don't know if I was ever ashamed of it, but I was just, I kind of felt like it was a bad thing, but I also couldn't really stop it. So I just kept doing it. Um, yeah. but now I think I've grown in the way where I can, I have worked a lot on my vulnerability and my softness and like trying to read the situation a little more of like, what does this person need right now? Do they need a challenging session? Like whether it's a random girl that's one of Frankie's <laughs> friends, friends. Let me like, you. <laughs> yeah. Like, does she need that? Or maybe she just like, maybe she does just want to talk about like nails or like hair or yeah. something really basic. And maybe that's okay that we don't talk about every matter of the heart in the first 10 minutes of meeting, you know, and yeah. learning to like <laughs> kind of just, maybe ebb and flow a little bit more with like what that person needs as opposed to like me feeling like I'm doing them this huge favor by like you know getting deep into their soul the moment I meet them so it's been well, interesting to like learn <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say like congratulations first off like that is huge those are huge steps for an eight um so you should be proud of yourself and I love what you said like not trying to change myself because I think like if you just like nailed it on the head it's like this is our innate design like this is how we're created like that's not the point it's like change yourself it's just to like grow to be embodied and integrated in your type um so I love that you said that because it's not about like changing ourselves um it's about understanding and about giving ourselves compassion for like who we are and like giving ourselves that permission slip of like this is who you are and like that's okay it's just like learning for an A to be more vulnerable and empathetic to others. And also creds to Frankie. He's on that like gross, like knowledge. He knows like, Hey, let's like try this. And this is like, he's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. That is why I married him for sure. I was looking for a man who was very self-aware. That was like on my list. I had a long list of everything I was looking for in a man. And like, it was always like emotionally intelligent and in personal development. And he did a lot of the work before we ever met. So that way when we met, it was like, I mean, I think we both up level each other a lot. So it's, it's fun. Well, and for an eight, you want someone to meet that intensity. You need someone. So, okay. For all of you out there, this is going to be a golden nugget of understanding. If you are in a relationship with type eight. Okay. So type eight, see conflict as intimacy. <laughs> they see conflict as connection. This is how they operate. And so, you know, and we could talk about this, you know, just with our relationship as a type nine and type eight and what that can mean, but like, man, type eight just crave that. And so it's learning to be empathetic on their side for sure. But for other people who are in relationship with type eight, it's understanding that and not taking it personally and just saying that, that they just are. <laughs> Yeah, it's so. like, I enjoy conflict. It's fun, you know, like, yeah. oh my gosh, in our financial peace university class recently, they, they were doing a section like Dave Ramsey was doing a section on negotiation. And then when we got together with our group, they asked us, um, uh, the question was like, how do you, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in negotiations? One being like really low, 10 being really high. And there was kind of like a silence and no one said anything. And I was like, 10. <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, and I'm like, I'm great at negotiating. I love it. I'm like, I am willing to walk away from any situation. And like, everyone's like, that's great. Everyone just like steps away slowly. <laughs> like, she's scaring me. 
They're like, hear um, me roar. Yeah. I know. So yes, that's a good point. For anyone who's in a relationship with an eight, we love challenging things. And we actually think it's like really fun. Like this is a way that our friendship gets closer or like your marriage gets closer. Like this is good. Yeah. Yeah. Mine or eights love that. Okay. Final one. Type nine. Um, we're going to go through you really quick. So then uh, type nine have the need to avoid. So core fear is being in conflict, <laughs> which is very opposite of the type eight, as we just discussed. So core fear, being in conflict, feeling overlooked, um, feeling separation or disconnection from others and self. Um, their core desire is to have inner harmony and peace of mind. Their core weakness is slothfulness. Um, and it's not like a physical laziness, though it can present that way sometimes. But it's basically that they don't want life to get them. And so they tend to numb out. They tend to kind of just slow down um, and they kind of fall asleep to the entire the entirety of their identity and their life to maintain this sense of peace. Like they're like, okay, my external world, my internal world, ooh, nothing's going on. I can be at peace. And, but it's, it's like a fake sense of peace. It's just actually avoidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so their childhood message is, that they heard in their life is that it's not okay to assert yourself. And the core longing that their heart longs to hear is that your voice and your presence matter. So minds are all the feels. <laughs> That's good. I love that. Yeah. So I don't think we have time to go through each one and explain the whole like growth and, and stress thing, but maybe, yeah, um, I can maybe just like an talk- overview. Maybe just talk about yours. Like, what is your growth yeah. and what is your stress? And then that way, if anyone um, hasn't studied this part of the Enneagram or if they've never even taken the test, they can look into this part and then apply the information to themselves. Yeah. So kind of like I said earlier about it being the Enneagram, the symbol mm-hmm. itself is kind of like the, the map of what that internal GPS uh, means. So like I said earlier, so if you look at the symbol, whatever number, there's always two lines going out of it. So those are called your stress paths or your disintegration line or your growth path integration line. And so you are always and forever your dominant type. Um, You don't become those other types. You just always um, take the the negative qualities or the positive qualities of your stress and growth path. Um, So these two lines actually have four different meanings, but we're just going to talk about the stress and the growth. We're just going to talk about those two. Um, So I like to, I just want to give an overview really quick so you understand what my story is with this. Um, basically, the stress line, think about like you're driving on a highway and you kind of veer off course a little bit and you hear this, you feel the rumble strip and it's kind of like a warning, like, oh, get back on path. That is what your stress line is like. So it's just a little bit of a warning sign of like, I'm, I'm growing towards the stress path and I'm, ex- I'm in, um, showcasing these negative qualities and this isn't my truth. So, okay, get back on course. And so the growth path similarly is um, exactly that when you are growing and becoming healthier. So you begin to relax and you kind of let go of your personality's lies. um, And it's just walking in faith and just doing the work consistently. So that's, that's what those are. So I'm a nine. I have the need to avoid. (laughs) I try to avoid conflict at all costs. Um, you know, putting my voice out there and my opinions out there is really hard for me. And I really crave inner harmony and inner stability all the time. Um, I just want the ocean waters to be calm in me. (laughs) 
so it's important for me to understand what I'm like when I'm just in, you know, on my stress path. So if you look at the map, it shows you. So for example, type nine goes towards a type six in stress. And like I said earlier, I've lived a lot of my life as an unhealthy six. And that's why I couldn't, that was part of the other reason why I couldn't figure out what I was. Um, but working through it all, you know, to discover my type, I realized that I was living as an unhealthy six and I was, you know, living with massive anxiety, um, seeking security and safety, whatever the cost, um, really defensive too, and unable to take feedback and, and criticism. And so even now with running a business, sometimes I, you know, I can slip back into that mindset and, you know, I, but the beauty of it is, is showcasing those things is that at least I'm aware of it now. Yeah. I can use it as my rumble strip. Um, I, I can connect back in with my body. I can breathe. I can use essential oils. I can journal it out and just really give myself some compassion within the process. So that's kind of what I'm like in stress. <laughs> that's or nines like in stress. And then within my growth path, it shows me that I move towards a type three in my growth integration. So there's that three, nine connection. Ah, that's why threes and nines get married so much. Wait, so does that mean, <laughs> do threes become nines when they're doing well? Or what do threes become when they're doing in their When threes are in growth, they go to a six. And when threes are in stress, they go to a nine. Oh, so that's yeah. weird. Does, does it, when a three marries a nine, so like your husband... Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything bad about you, but like, I guess like he, you're like, you're in your Enneagram, you're kind of supposed to in growth be more like him, but he's kind of like in stress would become more like you. So Uh how does that work for the marriage? (laughs) So it's, it's beautiful because, um, part of a nine's growth is being drawn out of themselves. So my husband has been really wonderful in drawing me out into showcasing his healthy qualities. And that's what I want to embody. Um, and for me being a nine and he goes to a, a nine in stress, it shows him what I was like when I was unhealthy. And it's almost like a bigger rumble strip for him. He can see, oh, oh this is what I feel like. And it's a, it's a connection too of like, and it, it allows for honesty. Hey, I'm not feeling my best right now. Can, you know, you know what this feels like. And so that it kind of works in that way. And mm. especially for threes and nines, it's really beautiful because, you know, we're all human beings, but I always say type threes are human doings. And so it's like they can, and nines are like at their essence, they just want to be, and they're just so good at being. And so that also, you know, I can help him in that way to draw him out of that. Uh, gotta be successful, gotta work all the time to just like, let's take a second. (laughs) Yeah. Like you help him relax more, whereas he helps you like be more driven or achieve more and like be willing to maybe get momentum. Yeah. Action. Yeah. 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 Ah, That's cool. Yeah. I feel like, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Uh, and it's like that for every type too. Like it's like that for every pairing. So it's like, there are, there are growth and lessons with it. It's not like one type is better with another. It's like, you can learn and figure it out. That's what this is here for. Yeah. And, and like, I was going to add to that and say, you know, Frankie and I, when we were getting married and of course I had him take the Enneagram, I I make everyone take the Enneagram. If you're a friend of mine, like I have some friends who hadn't yet take, haven't taken it. Like this one friend of mine that I go to church with. And every time I see him, like, did you take it yet? Did you take it yet? Like, I don't even want to talk to you until you've taken your test. No, I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) But 
Anyway, I made Frankie take it very early on, which I would always do with guys I was dating because I wanted to be able to understand the relationship. Um, mm-hmm. I actually mostly, really? I mostly only dated threes. It was really weird. They, usually I would date three wing twos, but Frankie was my first three wing four. So I'm thinking That's that what my husband is. Oh, look at that. <laughs> what do you know? Um, but then I like always wanted to read. I mean, honestly, I would do this literally with the guys I was dating even like like yeah. before Frankie too, I would have them find out their type. I would know my type. And then I would look, there's like a, there's a part, I don't remember where I looked it up, but I, I probably just Googled like type three in relationship with type eight. Hmm. And it would say like, here are all the things that are awesome for those two types. So for me, you know, and Frankie, it was, you guys are both going to be powerhouse, very driven. It's going to be very dynamic. Like they're going to support each other to like crush their goals and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then it talks about like the problems that can happen. Right. And so yeah. our problems that can happen is like, we can both tend to be workaholics. So we can both work too much. And like, um, so, you know, we have to be sure to like support each other in taking relaxation and peaceful time to, to not work that hard. And I don't know, there was other things, but it was helpful for us to realize, okay, these are going to be our, our challenges that might mm-hmm. come up because of us two being together. And this is how we can kind of nip that in the butt before that even happens, which I think is so totally. valuable in any relationship, but especially like a significant other partnership. Totally. And it's so beautiful. It, just put, it puts words and then allows the space for honest and open communication. And yeah, just like major compassion and, and understanding for yourself and the other person. I like that. Yeah. Like it puts words to, it. I think often when you figure out your type, you know, it, it's, uh, sometimes like the things you're reading, it was kind of, it's a little bit like, Oh yeah, I kind of knew that. I kind of knew that, but you never were able to articulate it quite right. And so every mm-hmm. client that I've had that has taken the test, cause I, I made all of my clients that went through next level confident, um, take the test because I wanted them to understand themselves better. And every single time my client would say, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like the way that it worded it, like it's so true and I knew it, it, but I never put words to it. So to put words to it, it was like freeing and like also made, you know, some of your darker parts, it makes you feel better to like, Oh, this is normal. There are other people who have these same challenges as me. And now I can put words to them. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing is when I talk to people about it or work with people in doing their work with the Enneagram, I, I always make sure to say like, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. Like mm. I am just giving words to this thing that is so innately in you and you've probably felt it for most of your life. You just didn't know how to articulate it. And I just think that's so empowering because it's like we can take ownership of our lives and it's not like I need you to tell me all these things about me. It's like, oh, this, like, this is within me. Like mm. it's crazy. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Okay. So in wrapping up, would you mind giving everyone who's listening one smart goal that you want each listener to take action on after listening to this podcast? Yeah. Okay. So if you are like brand new to the Enneagram and you're like, what the heck is this thing? And I don't even know where to begin. Um, I recommend um, taking an assessment, um, knowing that an assessment isn't necessarily going to be the most accurate thing but it's a great baseline it's a great place to start and we can link um there is a very credible um free quiz that i always recommend to people um and it gives you like a percentage of all the types of where you might fall so at least you can say okay i could be these three types these are my highest scores and 
you can go then read about them. And because that is where you actually start to understand and identify with the type is when you read about them. So 100% take a quiz um, and get a baseline of what you might be. Um, and then reading about them, um, it's a great place to start on the Enneagram Institute online. Um, you can just go on and there's so much free information on that website and you can just research and read about these types. Um, and, you know, if you're new and you're like, oh, I don't know, like I could be one of two or one of three and I can't tell, I always recommend clients or people that I work with, um, just try on a type. Just try it on and say, okay, I might be in a type nine. So I'm going to try on a type nine for a week and I'm just going to go through my life and the things that I know about a type nine, I'm going to see how I react and I'm going to see how I feel and I might journal about them. Um, and then the next week you're like, I might be a type two. So I'm going to try on a type two and I'm going to see how it feels in my life. So I always recommend that too, just because no one else can tell you your type. It's really, you know, it, it is on you to figure that out. Um, so that's, you know, newbie or, if, or anyone, if you're still deciding, that's a great place to start. Um, if you're like, I know my type and I want to grow more, um, I have two resources for you. One, um, The Road Back to You is a phenomenal book by Susan Stabile and Ian Morgan Crone. Um, it just is such a beautiful, simply put breakdown of each Enneagram type, and it goes into depth. So you'll learn a lot from it. Um, and then there is a podcast episode I highly recommend. It's um, the Liturgist podcast. I'm pretty sure it's episode 37. I could be wrong, but it's, it's close to that. And it's just titled like Enneagram. Um, highly recommend listening to that. It's so good. And I will um, link all this stuff below. So you guys don't have to perfect. search. You'll just <laughs> click the links below. It might be nice and easy. Perfect. And then last but not least, um, if you're like, I am ready to grow and I want to do all this inner work. Um, I just recommend hiring an Enneagram coach or someone who is a professional within the Enneagram and um, they can guide you just to really go deep into you and who you are. And like we talked about today, all these core motivations and just help you with your specific goals in life and help you grow. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I recommend. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Gabrielle. And I'm sure people got massive value and it's just the start of the conversation, which I love. So um, if someone listening is like, wow, maybe I would be interested in hiring an Enneagram coach, even though, you know, maybe they don't fully understand what that even means. So they got a lot of value from this podcast and they might want to contact you. Um, tell them a little bit about your program slash where they can contact you. Yeah. So my, my website is getting a facelift right now. So eventually it'll be done. Um, and you can find me there. It's um, going to be the hopehealers.com. Um, and that'll kind of be my landing page. But for now, um, on Instagram, like Janelle said, at Gabrielle Westbrook underscore, um, I do a lot of uh, free Enneagram education. Um, and then from there, if you, you know, are looking to understand your type or, or work with the Enneagram, um, what I offer is I offer three different packages right now. Um, I offer a free 15 minute assessment call. So you can schedule a time to just hop on the phone with me. I can get to know you a little bit, see what you're looking for. And then we can see if coaching is a good fit for both of us and see, you know, if it's something that you want to pursue. Um, and then my first package is called Uncover. And it is a 45 minute typing interview with a little overview of the Enneagram. So this would be perfect for someone who's like, hey, I might be two or three types, I can't tell, um, or I'm not really sure 100%. That'd be a great place to start for you. Um, my next package is called Awaken. It is a five 
session, five coaching session package. Um, they're all one hour long and we go deep and we just go into a lot of the things we talked about today, but even more so and understanding what your growth and your stress lines are and understanding just like the, the, the totality of the wisdom of the Enneagram and how it applies to you. Um, and then my final package is called Journey. And this is more of a life coaching style package just based on the person's specific goals, um, needs, and we use Enneagram, but it's more of like a life coaching kind of setting. Um, depend, and the length depends on whatever the person's goals are as well. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, you guys make sure you go check out Gabrielle's Instagram and her website. It will be linked below also, even though it's getting the facelift right now, but it will be ready (laughs) soon. So, um, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. We really appreciate you being here. I am so thankful like that you even asked me to be on this podcast. And I am so, I just hope that helps someone out there just feel like seen and heard, um, and know that they are loved for being uniquely them. So thank you, Janelle. Mm, I love it. Thanks. Talk to you later.